Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This program is sponsored by Tris Pharma. Tris Pharma uses Liquid XR technology to develop innovative medicines that address unmet patient needs, including the treatment of ADHD and related disorders. Tris Pharma is dedicated to keeping patients with ADHD and their families educated and connected. Visit www.trispharmaproducts.com to find educational resources and more information on Tris Pharma's treatment options for patients six years and older with ADHD. Hello, I'm your host, Susan Booning, and with me today um, for this episode of ADHD 365 is Dr. Carrie Heller. Hi, Carrie. We're going to talk this morning about summertime strategies to address your child's ADHD at home. Parenting any child comes with rewards and challenges, especially when your child has ADHD. If the symptoms of ADHD, disorganization, emotional irregularity, difficulty staying on task, if these symptoms go unmanaged, they cause disruption to family life, creating stress and anxiety for everyone. So let's talk about some behavioral strategies that can help you manage a child's ADHD at home, especially during the summer break. Why is structure? so important for a child who has ADHD. During the summer break, should a parent keep the same structure they put in place during the school year? Yeah, no, happy to answer that. And yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Okay, so structure is probably one of the biggest things that's often used to help you know, both kids and adults with ADHD. And, I mean, it's so important because it helps guide, guide kids in terms of like knowing what to do, and having a sense of like time urgency. And for so many other reasons, it essentially helps kids to be able to, you know, with HD or in general, to be able to, and adults too, to be able to have a, a way of like figuring out how do I get stuff done? What's expected of me in the moment? Because if there's not as much of an internal cue to I need to do this now or that, the external structure, you know, helps kind of create those cues. In terms of the summer, I mean, if you think about during the school year, most kids have a fair amount of structure during the day because of school. So they have a certain time they have to get up by in order to get out the door for school. You know, during the school day, I mean, most schools are, are pretty structured. Um, and then, you know, they may have after school activities you know, or they come straight home. But either way, you know, two thirds of the day is taken up with school. And so it creates this, you know, you have the before school time and the after school time. And so when you don't have that in the summer, depending on what your child's activities are, you know, it can definitely be hard. And so that's where so you want to create you want to keep some structure in place. So even if let's say you have weeks off or the whole summer at home, you know, creating some structures, even if, but the idea is you may need to adjust. It doesn't have to fit exactly the same way you have it during the school year. So it could be if maybe your child really needs more sleep than they're getting, it's okay if they, you know, sleep in a little bit longer, or if you want to keep them up later, I don't think it's necessarily a need to, but if you want to keep them up a little bit later, the idea is, you, you know, there should be consistency ideally with it. And if they're not getting as much sleep, if they're staying up later, then, you know, making sure they get enough sleep in the extra sleep in the morning. So for example, if you want them to have, let's say, I don't know, 10 hours of sleep, if they're going to bed at, I don't know, nine instead of eight, as long as you give them an extra hour in the morning, they can sleep, sleep, then, you know, the amount of sleep still evens out. I think also because for a lot of kids with ADHD, it can be really hard 
especially if they've developed a good good habit or routine with things, it can be hard. Like when something happens, it throws them off. It may be a lot hard to get back on track with it. So that's where, you know, maintaining certain things, like some sense of a morning routine, you know, an evening routine, even if other stuff maybe gets adjusted a little bit more here and there, by having some of that structure in place, it may help offset other issues that can arise, especially if they have days off at home. Um, other things you can also do are, if, let's say the child has the whole day or weeks or more at home, work with them on creating their own structure. So maybe sit with them and have them make a schedule of what they want to do for the day. Because I think by creating that structure, helping them to create that structure, it, you know, can actually, summer can be a really great way to actually practice some of these skills and, and help kids make a lot of changes for themselves. Because without that extra imposed structure, a lot of times they have to, you know, do it themselves. Talk about the importance of consistency when you and your child are following a behavioral plan. I mean, consistency is really at the core of a behavioral plan. Because if you think about it, if you're trying to shape a certain behavior and the consequence or reinforcement that you get from it is not consistent, one, the child's going to be less motivated to follow it. They're oftentimes may feel like, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Like, for example, you know, every time a child, I don't know, hits their brother, the consequence is supposed to be that they go to the room. If let's say only every one out of five times that happens, they actually get the consequence, they're probably going to be more willing to hit their brother more because they feel like the, the likelihood of getting the consequence is, is, is not as consistent. So, you know, and then, or another probably common one is think about if let's say, let's say with screen time, you have certain rules, like, I don't know, maybe the child gets an hour a day of screen time, but you know, they, if they ask for more, maybe, I don't know, three out of every five times they ask for more, you give it to them. They're probably going to keep asking because they get it, they, they're given it frequently enough that they see the reinforced to keep doing it. I mean, a lot of ways it's actually kind of like gambling because, you know, gambling is like a, I guess it's a variable ratio interval with, let's say, a slot machine. And so because it's not consistent, it oftentimes keeps people more motivated to kind of keep going at it to, you know, to win because, you know, eventually they probably will win, but it, it's variable in terms of when they're going to get that sort of that, that, that payoff. So in a you know, kind of different way with, with kids, it's the idea that like with asking for stuff, let's say a parent almost always said no to, to extra screen time, the child's probably not going to ask as often because they can pretty much know what the answer is going to be. The idea with behavior plan in general is to be as consistent as you can, because that's going to help it. But if you're not doing like a formalized behavior plan for a particular reason, you know, you also have to recognize what works for your child. There may be some kids that you know, giving them extra screen time once in a while is not going to make a big difference in terms of them asking for more or a big deal in general. Whereas for other kids, they see it as an opportunity to kind of exploit things and will keep going at it and trying to get as much as they can out of things. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, when you're setting up a formalized behavior plan, the whole point of it is consistency, because if you're not consistent in following it, it's not going to work well. We've all heard about the importance of positive reinforcement. It's common for children with ADHD to have self-esteem issues they can also be more sensitive to punishment or even actions they perceive as punishment. What are some ways to balance expectations and consequences? Sure. I mean, I think in general, it can be often be very helpful when expectations are clear up front. So for example, if you have a child that they keep going every time, let's say they go to their baseball game, they, I don't know, have trouble in the dugout and they, I don't know, shove someone or do something they're not supposed to do that before they get to the dugout or at the baseball game, remind them, you know, reminder, this is, these are rules, these are expectations. So by reminding them first, when it's, before they go into a situation, it ideally is more fresh in their minds. So there may be less issues to begin with. Um, and same thing with also reminding what the consequences would be, like having set consequences for things to the extent you can. But it's also really important that consequences make sense based on the issue. So if you have a consequence, it ideally should connect up to whatever, whatever the 
the issue is that's occurring. And also the application of it should be sort of as soon as possible. Like, let's say you tell your child in September, if they continue to hit their brother, they're not going to camp next summer because that's so far off to them. It's probably a meaningless consequence. And so, you know, consequences, first of all, need to need to make sense. And they, they also need to, need to be proportional to the, the action, because otherwise that's not going to give kids a clear picture of what to expect in, in real life either. Um, but I also think you need to, you know, given how sensitive some kids with ADHD are, you also, you know, if they're constantly hearing, oh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you know, that's, I think, what really weighs at someone's self-esteem. So I think on some level, it's a matter of sort of picking your battles, but also figuring out, like, there's, an, you know, I think a nice way to say, you know, I would really, you know, you really appreciate if, you know, you would do it this way, or this is, this is not working, like, versus, you know, under separating out their action in the moment versus them as a person, because I think that's also crucial. Sometimes, you know, parents get in the habit, especially if they're angry of saying, you know, you're, you're a bad kid, or, you, you know, something like that, that really is, it, it's really their action that's usually the problem in the moment, not necessarily them as a person. And then along those lines, too, figuring out, you know, how much is truly within the kid's control in that moment? That while you don't want to use ADHD as an excuse necessarily, recognizing that for some kids, depending on what it is, it can be really hard to, for them to stop themselves. And so at least acknowledging that, you know, to, to, the, to the child as well can sometimes help them to feel like their parent understands them more. Many experts talk about exercise and healthy diet as being helpful for kids with ADHD. But how do you get your child away from the TV screen or other screens and all the summertime junk food? A good question. I mean, the way that I would approach it would be that basically by, by helping your child or doing it for them if they're younger and necessary, structuring their day enough that you can weave that stuff in naturally. So for example, if let's say your child, I don't know, goes to camp during the day, that maybe, you know, after school hours, they don't have that many hours at their home, that maybe they can, you know, they get some exercise in, they have like a set time to do it or some activity they have to do, and then they can get some TV time. It becomes like sort of weaved in more naturally, as opposed to, you know, because sometimes if let's say you restrict TV, again, everyone's different, but like say sometimes you restrict TV and, you know, sometimes that in itself creates this sort of extra, like, you know, putting it up on a pedestal more so than kids would sort of feel otherwise. And then if it's all about, you know, you only get this amount of time and there are not really other activities that allow them to, you know, have fun, then they're going to be focused on the, on the screen time as opposed to sort of just having it weaved in naturally into their schedule. So I think being able to, you know, keep kids busy with activities so that, or whether it's maybe you set it up where if they have a set activity to do that, I don't know, a class or something that creates opportunities for exercise so that then it's there daily anyway. And then, you know, maybe they have, I don't know, family TV time and it's something that it's like a built-in time, but it prevents them from having, you know, hours on end to, to do it. I think same thing with junk food. I mean, I think that's where planning it in. So maybe planning out meals to some degree and figuring out, you know, when, when is it appropriate to have junk food? So maybe there's, I don't know, once or twice a week, there's special dessert that's junk food or, you know, some of it's also what you keep them in, in where you live to begin with. I mean, if it's not a whole lot of junk food that you buy in the first place, the kids are going to have less opportunities for it. Or maybe it's, maybe if let's say, I don't know, whatever activity they're doing during the day, they get to buy lunch and maybe you don't really have control over what they're buying depending on their age. Maybe you let them have their junk food then, but just don't keep your junk food in the house. Because, you know, look at like a lot of things in life, it's really about moderation. You know, having some junk food here and there or watching some TV in most cases, at least from my perspective, is not the most unhealthy thing in the world. Whereas obviously if you eat a massive amount of junk food or watch TV all the time, that's probably not the healthiest thing either. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, experts also talk about the need for good sleep hygiene and getting a good night's rest, it being so important. But it's summertime. 
Do you need to maintain the sleep schedule you had in place for your child during the school year? Again, it depends, I think, on on the child in terms of age and, and various other factors. Like I think in a perfect world, I think maintaining some sense of a of a structure is definitely important, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same one. So as I mentioned earlier, if let's say a child makes sense for them to stay up a little bit later for some reason, as long as you compensate with them if they can sleep in so that it equals out and you maintain that consistency, it's probably okay if they go to bed an hour later, maybe depending on the child, if, as long as they sleep an hour later. But again, I think it also depends. There are some kids that get so you know riled up you know, being up later than they should be, that it doesn't make sense to adjust. And I'm not anyway suggesting you adjust the bedtime just because it's summer. I think it's more if there's a direct need to do it, like if activities run later or it's harder to wind down and, you know, it's sort of, there's more peace in the household to get an extra hour up if, they're, if their bedtime's on the earlier side anyway. But the idea is I think having that consistency is important because you get, especially with teens, if you get teens that are up to one or two in the morning, to, you know, then makes it very hard to get back on track for school. But in general, it leads to a lot of, you know, inconsistent sleep. Because if let's say kids are up really late, and then some days they can sleep in, it evens out, but other days they have to get up early for stuff, then you know, again, these situations where they're getting drastically different amounts of sleep each night. That really does get back to the topic of consistency. And, right, exactly. Um, which is which is why I wonder if, isn't it just maybe a better idea for parents to try to stick to the same basic schedule that they had during the school year. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, especially if that, if that, if that schedule is working, like there's really not, unless there's a specific reason to change it for some reason, I think you're better off sticking to like the basic, you know, mealtime and sleep schedules. You're saying you can't, like I'm basically saying, if there's something going on that impacts the ability to do that easily, then, you know, then I think, you know, within reason, you know, you may want to adjust it somewhat, but I think if it's working fine and there's no reason not to, I think sticking with it is definitely would be helpful. Is there anything that you would like to add as far as special strategies for the summertime? On the one hand, you want to give kids a break. Like you don't want to have every single hour structured all the time. Like I think it's important to give kids some, some downtime, but maybe even, you know, as strange as it may sound, have scheduled downtime. <laughs> Like have time where it's, you know, maybe they have an hour or two here and there or more to, you know, just do whatever they want or, you know, play with friends, you know, have, have stuff where it gives them some opportunities to learn to practice managing their own time, you know, under, in, you know, a controlled way. But also, I mean, you can also work on some skills, you know, in a, in a fun way over the summer. So in terms of, you know, time management, you know, looking at the calendar together, maybe having a family meeting where you plan out, you know, these days we don't have any activities. What should we do? Let's, you know, could we, I don't know, go to the zoo or pick whatever it is and have them, depending on their age, help, you know, come up with ideas and maybe work on the planning. So have them, you know, especially if they use a computer anyway, look up how long does it take to drive here, drive to this place? Uh, what time does it open? Like, you know, all these little things that, you know, go into planning that you can kind of help have your kids help you with that can help them to sort of learn that, you know, this stuff in a fun way. And that obviously it helps them in general, but then a lot of those skills do transfer back over into school as well. You know, and I guess too, one of the other things too is, you know, obviously there are some schools that have most of year round school. The majority of schools I don't, you know, really don't. But, you know, if you think about what it's like having several months off from school, you know, sometimes skills can get kind of rusty. And so, you know, while obviously there is often some schools have summer work, it's good to think about how can you, you know, in a fun way, you know, maintain some of the knowledge or skill sets that you've learned over the school year and work on that in the summer to help kind of, you know, be in good shape, you know, going back into school and not having lost a lot of stuff that you learned in the past year. Right. Avoiding that summer slide. Right. Exactly. And, you know, thinking also about summertime as being a great time for families to have day trips or some sort of longer vacation going away. Do you have any tips or strategies for parents that are planning to take their 
kids with ADHD on vacation or day trips? Sure. I mean, I, I would definitely plan ahead, like figure out, I mean, if, if you've set this stuff up and you're dreading it, I would figure out why are you dreading it? You know, are you, are, are there certain triggers that, I don't know, if your child's really hungry, if, you know, they go overstimulated, they react very strongly, like figuring out like, what are the things that are, well, I can't plan for everything. If you can identify things that are most likely to go wrong, then figure out, you know, and you can make a list. So if you make a list of these are the things that are most likely to occur that are problematic, here's sort of things I could do for each of those to counteract it. So for example, if your child you know, really doesn't function very well, if they're hungry, make sure you always have lots of snacks with them and think about, you know, stuff, you know, whatever makes sense of protein or something that's going to, you know, fuel them and help them, you know, like, for example, if you're doing a day trip and I don't know, you're going to a museum, you probably want to make sure that they're fed before that. So they're not really cranky if they're the way, you know, especially if you end up pushing lunch back late on that day or having activities to entertain them in the car. You know, think about, because the unstructured times for some kids, the transitions can often be the hardest. Figuring out what can you do to keep your kids busy or navigate those transitions to make it as easy as possible. And same thing with thinking about sleeping, especially if you're traveling somewhere where there's a time difference. Like be mindful of the best way to navigate, you know, keeping kids on some sort of uh, as consistent a sleep schedule as possible, you know, when there's a big time difference involved. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask you about? <laughs> The final, a final thought would just be that, you know, summer, it's a great time to you know, give kids a break from stuff and allow them to sort of have fun. But I think, you know, maintaining some structure will allow them to sort of have as much fun as possible and be successful with it and not create more problems. So I think, you know, it's a, a balance, like, you know, everything in moderation. So, you know, have fun with it, enjoy the summer, but allow them also or, and help them also to create some sense of structure, because I think they'll get, ultimately, I think everyone will actually probably enjoy the summer more that way. Thank you so much. I think this is very helpful for parents. Just a bit more planning and thinking about structure during the summer can help you and your child have a healthy and productive summer. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast supported by Tris Pharma, the makers of Liquid XR technology. Tris Pharma is committed to supporting the ADHD community through education and innovation. Learn more at www.trispharmaproducts.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.